You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Rich King, longtime sportscaster for WGN-TV Chicago and recent author of the best-selling book about his wife entitled My Maggie. Thank you very much for joining us today. Doctor, thank you very much for having me on. We're going to be talking about Maggie's life and her long struggle with congenital hearing loss and being visually impaired, and then ultimately her battle with melanoma, breast cancer, and unfortunately, her dying from ovarian cancer. What prompted you to write the book at this time? Well, Doctor, I want to inspire people. I think Maggie's life was inspirational to everybody who she touched, and including me, obviously. I was married to her for 32 years. So I ran to a guy at a restaurant two years after she died, and we started talking, a marketing guy, and he said, you know, it's a fascinating story. It may help a lot of people and raise some money for charity. So we're donating 65% of the money to charity, and the book, I think, it already has been inspired. Well, we sold 14,000 copies already, so it's inspired more than 14,000 people. And uh, she had a great life. She was a charismatic person. She gave a lot to everybody, and she received a lot from everybody. She helped a whole bunch of people, and I think once you read the book, you'll see the what her magic was. She was a magical woman. You know, you had a long marriage, but really you met Maggie long before that. Can you tell us when you first met her? I met her in second grade, a Catholic school, great school in Chicago. Uh, she was playing dodgeball, and her brother and I were friends, and he pointed her out. And Of course, we didn't start dating until our teen years, but we dated for five or six years and then got married. She was 21, I was 23, and uh, we had a long marriage. And I think that's my life. Uh, she was my life. She was my youth. She was my adolescence. She was my young life. She was my middle age. She won't be my old age, but she will be with me in my old age. You know, you describe her as having summer eyes early in the book. What does that mean? Oh, Maggie had just soft, beautiful eyes. I mean, she was the essence of innocence. There was not a cynical bone in her body. I mean, she was full of life, full of happiness, and she was honest as the day is long. I mean, she was a wonderful person to see, and her eyes reflected her soul. She was deep down. She was a good person. She had a great appreciation for life, and I saw that early in her life, and I knew that I fell in love with her when we were in teen years pretty fast, and I knew I wanted her to be my wife, and everything proved out to be exactly as I thought it was. She was more than I thought. She was innocent, pure. Yeah, she had a temper. She was not a perfect woman by any stretch of the imagination, but she was the best, the happiest person I ever met, and still is the happiest person I've ever known. Where did her talents take her in a professional sense? She was a registered nurse. She always wanted to be a nurse. She was at St. Luke's in Chicago for 20 years when her eyesight went bad. Then she changed careers after traumatic depression when she was diagnosed with Usher syndrome. But she came out of that depression and became a counselor for Light Arts for the Blind and a volunteer officer. She was a lobbyist in Springfield for blind causes and deaf causes. She was a lobbyist in Washington. She had a worldwide newsletter called Usher Around the World, the Usher Syndrome Patients. She was a force in, in the deafblind community, and that, that, so she had two careers, and it was amazing. She graduated from college at, at age 50. She did a lot of things that, that were uh, really heroic, and that's the story of the book. She was heroic. Her diagnosis was made when she was 37 years old. Did she ever question what her life might have been like if it had been diagnosed earlier? No, she never did, and I, I'm glad she didn't, because I think she had a good central vision most of her life until, until that age you mentioned, 37, and... I think it's better that it was that way because we had a pretty decent deal. We didn't worry about anything. We thought this is going to be nerve damage. It's not going to get any worse. Well, it got worse. And finally, Dr. Fishman here in Illinois and, and Dr. Gerald Fishman made the diagnosis of Usher syndrome. But life, you can't go back and see what would have been. But I'm glad it happened that way because 
even though she was diagnosed late in life, we had a good life, and she had a good life on both ends of her life. The first part of it and the second part were both sensational. People with hearing deficit who begin to experience night blindness or peripheral vision loss or even sensitivity to light may be developing Usher syndrome. Do you think our community knows enough about it and therefore might give vocational guidance and counseling to people as they develop this particular problem? Well, I'll tell you, that's what this book is all about, and that's why the reason I wrote the book it is an educational book on Usher syndrome, and it's a very little-known disease. I think when Maggie had it, there were 10,000 cases in the United States, and we didn't know we, even she had it. I mean, she went for eye tests, and there was no diagnosis until Dr. Fishman found it. He, he's the foremost expert in the state. So there's all kinds of eye diseases, and maybe this book can be a catalyst for helping people understand there are these diseases out there, and that maybe if I have these symptoms, maybe I've got this thing, and maybe they can learn about it and try to get some kind of treatment for it in a way of help in terms of aids to see better with their sight. So I hope this book is a catalyst for that. You know, it's an autosomal recessive disease. So in that context, do you think genetic counseling also should be part of our awareness? I would think so. I think that's a great. There's been a lot of inroads made in that area, and I think people can understand it earlier. For sure it would help them. So in our case, it didn't. And I say, in retrospect, it's kind of crazy how it worked out. I'm glad you didn't know because... She had a pretty decent life with sight before that, before she started going blind. And uh, had she known that, maybe it would affect her psyche. I don't know. But you have to know things. I mean, you have to know about your body and what's going on. I think it's very helpful if you know that before. If they can do genetic testing with that, I think it's very helpful. Can I ask you this also? As she became an advocate for the hearing and visually impaired, her life took a different turn that often didn't include you. Her friends, her avocation, her interests. She travels out of town, ultimately alone, to the Keller Institute. How did this affect you as you saw her life change so radically? Oh, I was very happy. She could do whatever she wanted to do in, in that area. And uh, after she died, I got a couple of letters from her friends thanking me for not trying to, <laughs> try, try to control things. And believe me, I look back at my life, that's the best decision I ever made was to let her do her thing. She traveled everywhere. She had her own group of friends in that community. You have to give that up. I think, you know, if you don't give a person freedom, we, we loved each other dearly. We had a very soulful relationship. I mean, we were, we were wired together. But I think the beauty of it is we didn't smother each other. I had my life in broadcasting. She had her life on the deaf blind. When she was a nurse, she had her life as a nurse. And that's the key. The time we had together was worth the time alone. There's an old folk song like that. And I think that, that sums it up. It's the quality of the time, not the quantity that, that really matters. And we had a great, great life together. You mentioned how in your book you were often filled with worry and concern, and it's certainly easy to see how that could happen. What kind of advice would you give to a caregiver in the same situation that you were in? Well, here's the advice I would give. I've been asked that question many times on the, on the book tour. Just give. Just give. You don't worry about yourself. I mean, yeah, you have to take time out. You have to get a, a rest now and then. You should take time to rest and physically rest. But I enjoyed taking care of Maggie. I look forward to it. I, I enjoy taking to a restaurant, making sure that the wine bottle was in the right place and the glasses were in the right place. She, she would knock it over. I enjoyed walking with her. I enjoyed taking her anywhere I could. I loved being with her because I loved her. And that's the key. Don't worry about yourself. And what happens is you learn to enjoy it and you learn to get back from it. I, every moment with her was precious. A simple act of coming home in the evening was precious. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I think if you can do that, you'll find that you get so many rewards, emotional rewards from it, that, you know, the, the physical part of it takes care of you. You're tired you now and then, you get exhausted a little bit. But believe me, when it's all said and done, now that she's gone, I mean, it really 
had an impact on me. I am so happy that I did all those things for her because it made me happy and it made my life much, much happier. After Maggie becomes an advocate for the visually impaired, she starts a class for disabled nurses. Where does that go with her? Boy, it's been going great. I mean, in the last year of her life, her and Karen McCullough, her best friend, who was also blind, established this class for placed nurses in jobs, disadvantaged nurses. And now Karen tells me that the project has gone, when Maggie died, it was like in two or three states. Now it's in 17 or 20 states. They're placing nurses in jobs and what they can do with their sight impaired or in a wheelchair or whatever. And it's been a big success. And Karen's become quite a force herself in that area. And her and Maggie began that program years ago. And in fact, uh, Karen always tells me she has a picture of Maggie on the wall. Every time she gets somebody placed in a job or gets a big, big success, she looks at Maggie. And I'm sure Maggie would love, love to know that. So she was all about helping people. What has been the response to the book, My Maggie? Oh, it's been great. We've sold 14,000 copies in two months. We've been on the Today Show in New York twice, and we're trying to get other national shows. We're going to make a big push after the year to sell more books. We're trying to get this book out to as many people as possible, especially blind and sight impaired people. And we're doing it. we got the audio book. So 14000 is pretty good for two months for a first-time author. I get two responses. The two main responses are these. I've spoken at blind conventions in Chicago and elsewhere, and they're using the book now in Boston at the Perkins School for the Blind and also the uh, Public Commission for the Blind in Boston. They're using it in their classes to inspire blind people and sight impaired people. And Maggie would have loved that. She was a teacher of anything else, and she would love the fact that her life was helping other people inspire other people to live a better life and to try to just get over their problem and get on with their lives. That's most rewarding, and it's got a tremendous response from the blind community. And the second one is, and what I didn't expect, is that I've had people ask me to sign the book with eternal love to their wives or their or girlfriends. Or, you know, and I said, well, why do you want to sign with eternal love? And I've had five or six people tell me, well, we're having trouble. You know, she's talking about breaking up. And I hope that she reads this book and realizes you can have a long-lasting love. And that's what this book's all about. It's a 32-year marriage. It's a 38-year relationship in terms of dating. Maggie and I were together for a long time. And I think people want that. They want the long-term, genuine love. In closing, I'd like to also use a quote that you said, both of you lived a life and not an apology. And I'd like to tell people about your book and that the proceeds are going to Lighthouse of the Blind in Chicago as well as the American Cancer Society. So I'd like to thank Rich King for being our guest today and telling us this wonderful story of himself and of Maggie, his wife. And I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.